guys, what's up? Hope you guys are having a great day today. My name is Matthew Spazzini. Welcome back for another episode of the Matthew Spazzini program where we talk about financial freedom and economics. Ladies and gentlemen, if you were joining me for the first time today, first and foremost, I want to ask you guys to take the 10 episode challenge where, uh, yeah, the, in all honesty, all it is is exactly how it sounds. I'm just asking you guys to go back and listen to the last 10 episodes. And the main reason I ask you guys to take that challenge is because I feel like there's a lot of value back in those last 10 episodes. You're going to get the most value to the show. And from time to time, I might be referencing things, you know, that I talked about in the last 10 episodes, you know, because we don't talk about news, politics, economics. We don't talk about that stuff in a vacuum here. So, you know, I might be referencing stuff that I've actually talked about in the past that you simply won't be aware of if you go, if you don't go back and listen to the last 10 episodes. So I think you'll get the most value out of the show if you go and do that. Also, uh, two more things that I'd like to ask you guys to do. First and foremost, if you guys love what I'm doing here, then please go give me a rating and review on iTunes. Ladies and gentlemen, this is one of the number one ways that you can go and help support the show. When you guys go and give me a rating review on iTunes, basically what it does is it helps get the show to be more visible. It helps the show to get on rankings on the iTunes slash Apple podcast platform, and it really just helps the show become more visible. So that's why I ask you guys to go and do that. And uh, last but not least, if you guys, again, if you're loving this show, then please share it. You know, if you're on social media, wherever you are, whether that's Facebook, Twitter, wherever you are, please share the show. If you want to help to spread this message of financial freedom, personal empowerment, libertarianism, free markets, Austrian economics, living the liberty lifestyle, if you really, really want to help me spread that message, if you love that message, then please share the show and uh, and help me spread that message because ladies and gentlemen, I really appreciate it. It means so much to me. You're not only going to be helping me spread these ideas, which I think will really be beneficial to a lot of people, but you're also helping me to grow the show, which I greatly appreciate. So if you guys are loving the show, then uh, consider doing all that stuff. And yeah, I would greatly appreciate it. Thank you very much. All right. So today we're going to talk about El Presidente Joseph Biden getting in his inauguration and all that kind of stuff. Well, we're not really going to cover the inauguration, but we're going to, you know, seeing as which had already happened on Wednesday. <laughs> you know, I am coming a little late to the game. So uh, for those of you guys who don't know, I tend to record these episodes on the weekends. So a lot of times I will be recording these episodes the weekend after a lot of the stuff that I'm talking about has already occurred. You know, so uh, with regards to the Capitol riots and stuff, if I was going to talk about that, I would have recorded it to the weekend after the riots had actually occurred and so on and so forth. So that's usually what I do here. It's something new. I used to record these episodes in the middle of the week and I really enjoyed that because when news happened, I could record a video about it or a podcast episode about it. But one of the reasons I decided to not do that was largely because it just, I have a very limited amount of time in my week. You know, for those of you who don't know, I am a stay-at-home dad. I, I take care of my one-year-old daughter pretty much all day long. And when I'm not taking care of her, you know, some of that my wife can have her job and she can work and whatnot, I'm doing my podcast and trying to, you know, build this online business and, and build this community and everything that I'm trying to do here. And I'm also working on my trading and on all sorts of stuff. So, you know, I'm not really doing this full time. You know, I got a lot of things that I got to take care of throughout the day and whatnot. So unfortunately, during the week, I don't have a massive amount of time. So I'm my main goals are to record two podcast episodes and to edit also a couple of Liberty Informant episodes as well for you guys to listen to and so on and so forth. So I think it's really good. But, you know, so I, anyways, with that said... I decided to start recording these episodes on the weekend so that I would have more time to edit them and I wouldn't be stuck editing them over the weekend. Instead, I would be stuck recording them over the weekend. And frankly, I'd rather record than edit. Recording is always easier when it comes to podcasting or even when it comes to doing videos. 
Recording is always easier than editing. Now, this may be a pretty common sense to most of you, but the editing aspect of it all, it's just, it's such a drag. It really is. I hate editing this stuff. I really don't like it at all, but you know, it's, it's part of content creation. You've got to edit the content out unless you're, you're a pro and you've been doing it for like 20 years and you make very little mistakes and stuff and you don't like stutter. I mean, I'm sure you guys have heard me do that every now and then, you know, sometimes my mind is running a lot faster than my mouth. And uh, yeah, sometimes that just happens. Or I'll lose train of thought in the middle of podcast episodes. Anyways, we're not going to go into all the mistakes that I make, but suffice to say, I do make mistakes that if they don't annoy you, they really annoy me. Like, I'm, I guess when I start to edit and I get into it, I, I turn into a bit of a perfectionist and I really start to become very anal about you know, how the podcast sounds and the audio quality and things of that nature. So for me personally, I I try to control myself, my perfectionist side of me, but you know, when I'm editing, sometimes it's just not possible to do. That said though, you know, I record these episodes on the weekend and so a lot of times I'll be talking about events that occurred in the middle of the week and I'll be talking about them later on the weekend and whatnot. So that's uh, that's the way I'm, I'm handling this now and it's been very helpful. It's been hugely helpful for, you know, just being getting the work done and being able to spend time with my family on the weekends and, you know, just being able to do things that are I find that are very, very important to me and whatnot. So that's how I'm handling it this year. I decided to, to switch it up and see how it works and so far it's working fairly well. But anyways, so I wanted to talk about, like I said, Biden getting elected and COVID-19 and, and what's happening in there in the, in the narrative. So, you know, I've been saying for a long time now that COVID-19 is not anything that anybody really needs to worry about. The vast majority of people who are getting it are not dying from it. It's just another, it's just a cold, a, a bad cold. And that's pretty much it. You know, sometimes I say it's a flu. I understand it's not actually a flu, okay? I get that, but it's kind of like the flu and sometimes in the the severity of it and, and how it can affect certain people and whatnot. But frankly, it doesn't kill the vast majority of people that, that get it. Even older people, people that are 65 and even above 65 have still a very, very high chance of surviving. But when you look at the data, when you look at the information, even by the mainstream sources like the CDC and the WHO, you'll come to realize that that is in fact the case. However, if all you do is you get your news on social media, you get your news from the mainstream media, which I would actually consider social media to be part of the mainstream media. But, you know, when you get your news in that manner, that's not the image that they paint. In fact, they paint the image. This is a killer virus. It's killed millions upon millions of people. It's going to continue to kill more. If we don't continue to lock down, we don't continue to wear masks. If we don't take the vaccine, we're all going to die and millions more are going to be killed. And if you don't, and if you think this is stupid, yeah, you pretty much want to kill your neighbor's grandmother or whatnot. And it's like, you know, it's that message. It's not meant because they actually care about the virus or whether people die or anything of the sort. The main reason that that narrative exists is not because they care about you. It's because they want to control you. They want to cause fear and division in the country because the more we are divided, the easier we are to conquer and the easier we are to control and manipulate And this is ultimately what their goals are. You see, the virus was all about control. It was never about protecting you. It was never about a virus. It never had anything. The very mess. Now, I'm not trying to say there wasn't a virus, okay? You know, please don't think that's what I'm saying. I'm not trying to say there wasn't a virus. I fully admit that there was a virus. What I don't acknowledge is, A, I don't 
is that it was anything that anybody needed to worry about. And the lockdowns were absurd. They didn't make any sense. Mask mandates were absurd. They don't make any sense. In fact, there's been a ton of studies suggest, you know, showing that masks have virtually no effect on whether or not you get the virus whatsoever. And, you know, of course, that's not what you're going to think. I mean, literally, I went to Lowe's today and I literally saw a lady wearing two masks, an N95 or an N95 type of mask and then a cloth mask over that. And I'm like, wow, all right, you're a sheep. You believe everything that they say. You think you must be dying. You're wearing two freaking masks. And these masks aren't healthy for you to wear. I mean, you're breathing in your own air constantly. It's just, it's not healthy. In fact, I knew a person who got horribly sick because of the mask. Not, and at first, she was uh, tested for COVID, and initially the test gave a false positive, and then they came back and they tested her again, and they realized it was false, and they tested her a third time, and again, it came back negative. So granted, I guarantee you she got counted for COVID with the first test, and I wouldn't be surprised whatsoever. Assuming it was the PCR test, I think I'm using that correct, that they were using a 40 cycle for the first one to cause a false positive, and then they used lesser cycles for the other two to not, so that they could classify her as COVID night as a COVID case. Now, I don't know if that actually happened or not. That's purely speculation. But here's the thing. Here's why I say that, though. Because the hospitals have been prohibited, I still think to this day, and I'm not sure, don't quote me on this, but I think to this day, they're still prohibited with regards to doing elective surgeries, non-life-threatening surgeries and procedures and whatnot. However, when it comes to COVID-19 cases, they get paid for every case and every COVID death. So because you took away a massive stream of revenue for the hospitals, and then you incentivize them to classify every single freaking schmuck that walks in there as a COVID case, even if they have no symptoms whatsoever, even if they're not even in there because of any anything related to COVID, they still test every single person and the tests are also inaccurate as well. And we'll get that into that a little bit here uh, further in the show. But ladies and gentlemen, when you incentivize the hospitals to do this, they start to engage in these shady operations. See, a lot of people think the hospitals are these, you know, benevolent companies that they just want to help people and all this kind of stuff. No, well, and while there are many people that work there that very much probably do feel that way, the fact of the matter is it's a business. They're in the business to make money. And if you say that you're not allowed to do business in this way to make money and that you have to turn around and and you have to, but you incentivize them to do something else, what do you think they're going to do? They're going to be doing that one thing that you incentivize them to do over and over and over. They're going to press that button all day long as many times as they possibly can. And that's what's been happening. So, you know, I've even known people who have gotten sick from wearing masks and whatnot because they were wearing masks and no, they had no COVID or anything of the sort. But anyways, that said, though, I wanted to talk about COVID and whatnot in the narrative that we're seeing. There's a narrative shift. I don't know if you guys have noticed it. Maybe you have. But there's a very, very, very strong narrative shift in the media today by politicians on social media. And it's it's kind of what I've been saying for a while now. As, and I was a little wrong in this at first. So for, the, for those of you who are just joining me here, a while ago, I basically came out and stated that the vir- they're going to kill the virus off. Basically, they're going to start downplaying the virus. It's not going to be a big deal because for a while, the Democrats were saying and the Republicans both were saying that they didn't want to do mail-in ballots, you know, before leading up to the election. That's not something that either one of them wanted to do. Now, the Democrats eventually shifted this narrative and they said, no, actually, we love the idea of doing uh, mail-in ballots. So I was actually go- under the opinion that the virus was effectively going to be, quote unquote, killed off 
and, and downplayed heavily for the election just to get people to come out and vote. I was wrong with that. That actually didn't happen. I definitely mispredicted that one. And you know, that happens. You know, I'm not always, I'm not perfect, right? And I don't ever claim to be. I do feel like I got a pretty good, you know, thumb on the pulse of the markets and what's going to happen and whatnot. But, you know, I don't always get things right. But, you know, from time to time, I am wrong. And that was one of them. However, I knew that they were going to kill the virus at some point. And, and I knew that the, the narrative was ultimately going to end and they were going to start downplaying it and whatnot. And I didn't really, I didn't really know 100% when that was going to happen, but I knew it was going to happen soon because they can't keep doing this. Now, I figured that the narrative about COVID was going to be downplayed sometime in 2021. I was kind of thinking more towards the you know middle of 2021, but you know I figured sometime in 2021, they're going to start downplaying the virus. The, the virus is going to start taking a backseat to economic issues and a lot of other stuff that's going on in, in our country today. And I felt like, honestly, they're going to downplay the virus next year. Eventually, the virus is going to cease to be a problem, and then we're going to start pivoting on other issues and whatnot. And so far, that seems to be happening right now. So we'll get into that in a little bit. But hey, Biden is the new president, right? Kind of interesting. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I kind of figured this was going to happen, you know, certainly after the election and whatnot. I genuinely thought that Trump was going to win. For a long, long time, I thought Trump was going to win. But as the the votes started coming in, I was like, uh, yeah, this is not, not going to go well. And there were tons of news articles and tons of people saying, oh, Trump's still going to win. They're going to take this to court. And I'm like, no, nah, I'm thinking Biden's got it now. I mean, whether whether he cheated or not, you know, I look, cheating always happens in every election. That's nothing new. I do feel like there was a lot more cheating this time around than normal. And I and I personally feel like Trump was cheated out of the election. Now, that's not trying to say that I support Trump, okay? I'm not saying that because I'm a huge supporter of Trump and I love Trump. I don't like Trump, okay? I don't like him. I don't like any politicians. Look, I'm a monarchist, okay? For crying out loud, I don't like politicians. I don't like democracy. I don't like republics, for that matter, because republics are just another form of democracy. And I hate it. I don't like it. I, I really, really don't. And, and before you want to come at me and say, well, Matthew, how can you be a monarchist? I mean, so you're a fan of dictatorships and, and all this kind of stuff. Look, I don't classify dictators and monarchs as the same thing. I make a distinction between the two. And I've, I've, I've talked about that in past episodes. So if you want to go back, uh, I, did, I did an episode, actually, I think it was somewhere in the 30 range episode 30 or somewhere in the 30 range where basically I, I talked about democracies and monarchy and which one was best. And I, personally, I feel like that was a very, very good episode and whatnot. But look, I mean, I'm in favor of the private ownership of government, okay? I've, I've explained this in past episodes and I, I, I actually, I might have even explained it in the last episode. I don't know. I, I explained it in a lot of episodes and whatnot, but I'm in favor of the private ownership of government, not the public ownership of government, meaning no elected officials, meaning that no random person from society can just walk in and start running the country. Frankly, I don't think most people who do run the country are highly intelligent. I think that they're incentivized to leech from the system as much as they possibly can because they do not own it and all that kind of stuff. But with that said, I don't carry water for Trump. I don't carry water for any politicians. Not to say that there aren't any good politicians that are out there. I do think that there are some good ones. You know, you got Thomas Massey. You got Rand Paul. Ron Paul was a good one too. But in the end, I'm not I just, those are few and far between. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, let's just face it. The vast majority of people who go into politics today 
are the worst kind of people because it's such a toxic and disgusting field to go into. It only attracts the worst kind of people from society. It doesn't attract good people. Good people hate politics. They don't want anything to do with it if they can avoid it entirely. So the only type of people that go into politics are people that want to enrich themselves. They're unprincipled. They want to do nothing but increase their power and influence and wealth. And I don't begrudge anybody for doing, wanting to increase those things in their life. But when it comes to government, I want the incentives to somewhat be in line with the people's. And therefore, you know, it's kind of a a symbiotic relationship where they enact good regulations, good policies, very low taxes, if any taxes at all. And they do this so they can grow the country, so the country can become wealthy and prosperous. By doing this, not only do they enrich and increase their own wealth and, and, and it benefits them, but it also benefits the people as well. And in my most humble opinion, okay, monarchs, kings and queens did that better. Their interests were more in line with managing the country well, and they didn't they didn't manage it as poorly as democracies and republics do. But anyways, with that stated, okay. Look, I, I don't like politicians in general, and I'm not supporting anyone, which one, one way or the other. But let's get kind of, we kind of got getting off of a bit of a tangent. But here, look, now that Biden is the new president, the narrative is going to change. If you've been on social media for any length of time, you know how vitriolic and how toxic it's been, right? I mean, yeah, it's, it's been incredibly toxic. But now that Biden's in office, everything is roses and things are all of a sudden getting better. Whereas before it was all, you know, oh, the virus is killing people and oh, it's terrible. And people are getting out on vir- on social media. I'm starting to see, oh man, things are just positive and everyone's uplifting. And now we can, now we're past this horrible thing. We got the racist pig out of the office, which I'm not saying he, I actually feel that way, but that, that that's what people are saying about him, right? We got the racist bigot out of the office and now we can finally move on and we can look towards recovery. And there's a, there's a there's a hint of positivity there, but what you'll start to see, and it's and it's like I said, it's already happening now, is that COVID will cease to be a problem. You see, the WHO came out literally the day after the inauguration of our new president and started to say that we should be reducing the cycles on the PCR test. I think I'm saying it right. The PC, I think that's the right uh, acronym, PCR test. We've been currently testing at 40 cycles, like I mentioned before, which gives a ton of false positives, thereby manipulating the numbers. So now they're saying that, oh, hey, you know, well, we, we only report things when we discover them and we just didn't know this before, which is absurd because this is the way that the medical practice has been doing it for a long time, medical industry. It's been doing that for a long, long time where you don't use the testing. First and foremost, you never use tests to diagnose someone, right? You diagnose them first. Okay, here are the symptoms that you have. Okay, let's test to see if you have that. But you never really used the test to diagnose where now it's you test in order to determine whether they have something or not, whether they're showing signs of even having it or not. So there's also that that's changed also. But the the cycles are hugely important. You increase the cycles of the test and you start getting false positives all the time. It artificially increases the numbers. And now the CDC is saying, oh, well, you know, we didn't know. We didn't know. So now we're kind of, we're realizing this is a bad idea and we should start reducing. So we're going to recommend that we don't do 40 cycles anymore. Don't tell me that it's that you didn't know and that all of a sudden you you grew a brain and you now have the ability to use that brain housing group and whatnot up in your noggin and all of a sudden you you, you realize it was a bad idea. No, you knew it the whole freaking time. It's about control. 
You just wanted to manipulate. You wanted to manipulate the numbers. Why? Because you were incentivized to. You got people to pay attention to what you were saying. You got people to read your articles more. Now there's a virus out there. Now there's a, this, this killer virus out there. A lot of people really started to pay attention to what the FDA, the CDC, and the WHO were saying. Huh. What a freaking coincidence. Right? You can't tell me they weren't being incentivized to do this. Not only were they incentivized to do this because, you know, frankly, they are the government, FDA and CDC, they're government departments, they're an arm of the government. So not only are they incentivized to do this because they wanted to increase the power and the size and the scope of government, but they also wanted to do it as well because it, you know, it got more attention to their stuff. There was a lot of different incentives to it, more so than just more attention. Honestly, it was all more about power and control more so than anything else. But anyways, you know, Fauci came out the other day for, and based off the stuff that I was hearing, I mean, literally an hour after Trump left office and he started to say how we are looking like we're peaking in terms of the numbers of, of COVID cases and whatnot, and that we should be heading down soon. CNN used to have a COVID counter on its broadcast all the time, almost permanent. And, and now all of a sudden it disappeared. They took it down. It's as if it never existed. They're no longer displaying the COVID counter. And Amazon says that their infrastructure is now ready to help distribute COVID vaccines now, whereas, well, they were apparently, quote unquote, unable to help when Trump was in office. You see, it wasn't really ever about the virus. I mean, these people are being so brazen, so open about how manipulative they've been, how awful they've been. They're not even, they don't even care about keeping up with, oh, we're not being manipulated. Oh, we're not being biased or whatever, you know, oh, we're not doing, they don't even care anymore. They're just openly starting to shift their opinions the minute Trump went out. The minute Trump went out of the the office, all of a sudden, you're going to start seeing the narrative shifting that COVID is not a problem anymore and we need to move on. But it was never really about the virus. It was all about keeping you scared and confused. It was all about getting you to capitulate. It was all about control. But has anyone stopped and wondered, has anything really changed in government? You see, the reason I say that is because they're going to be acting like the power structure in Washington has completely changed. All new people, all new government. And this is why now we can start to see things are going to start to improve. But in reality, only a couple people have left. And government is largely the same as it's always been. The individuals who really had true power during the Trump administration will still be there during Biden's because they were there before Trump. They were there before Obama. They were there before Bush. And so on and so forth. You see, nothing's really changed in Washington at all. But they're going to try and convince you that it has. And when I say they, I mean, you know, mainstream media, social media, all that. Ladies and gentlemen, you're going to start to think, you're going to start to hear this message that things are different now. Biden's going to lead us into prosperity. He's going to lead us to recovery. He's going to lead us to recovering from COVID-19. Heck, I wouldn't even be surprised. It kind of depends on how fast they move with this, but eventually mask mandates are going to go away. And that might sound obvious to you, but, you know, frankly, there have been a lot of people who say, nope, they're here to stay forever. And I'm like, (laughs) you're an idiot. I'm not wearing my mask forever, and I know there's a lot of other people, not just right and left or, or middle or whatever. There's a ton of people who feel the same way. Look, there, you're going to start seeing this, this narrative shifting, and it's already happening right now. 
and the narrative is going to start shifting that we can recover and, you know, they're going to start moving into a positive narrative of recovery and all this kind of stuff. But in the end, nothing has really changed. Government hasn't changed. Sure, Trump and maybe a few of his cohorts left. That's about it. Nothing's changed. Nothing's changed about the virus, by the way, too. It's just a virus. It's going to be here probably seasonally, just like the flu. Nothing's really changed about that. Nothing's changed about the government. The virus was never anything to worry about. The government was something we should always be worried about because of how hellbent they've been on destroying this nation. But ladies and gentlemen, it was never about the virus. It, it never was. It was about power and control. And it was, and the government hasn't changed. Nothing's changed. And I just, the reason I guess I wanted to do an episode on this is because I thought it was, it was, I was listening to a podcast episode uh, the other day and that's, they were saying something very, very similar, but they, you know, they brought up a very good point that we as people are so easily manipulated and, and controlled. So many sheeps, not enough people out there willing to even question the quote-unquote experts and the government and the ruling class. They don't even want to question that. They just want to accept whatever they hear as literally the, the word of God. It's sad. It really is. It kind of got me thinking earlier today, you know, is this the natural state of humanity or is this just something jacked up with the U.S. and, and Western nations in general? No, I think it is, honestly, the natural state of humanity. I really do. I don't think that humanity is any different today in the 21st century than it has ever been. Frankly, humanity has always been the same. Sure, maybe technology has changed. Sure, maybe there are living standards have changed. There have been a lot of things, but human nature hasn't. And frankly, humans have always been easy to manipulate. The vast majority of them are just, they just don't think. They're just, they're plebs, right? They're plebs. They're rubes. That's the truth. The vast majority of people out there are. They don't know how to think for themselves. They don't want to think for themselves. So when, you know, a virus comes around or when the government decides it wants to take power and it gins up some, you know, false plague on the world saying, oh, we're all going to die. Here's all these models saying that we're going to die. Oh, don't, don't, don't ask how we made them all. So don't ask the variables we use. Don't ask those questions. Just, just believe us when what, what we say is true. And don't ask questions. <laughs> you know, I laugh about it, but it, it genuinely is sad. It really is. But it's the truth, isn't it? How easily manipulatable we are. How easy it is to manipulate an entire nation to believe false things, to lie to them and get them to believe in it as if it is reality. Just goes to show how little grasp most people have on what is really the reality of our world. And so, ladies and gentlemen, I just, I think that that is incredibly important to keep in mind that there's always a war that's going on for your mind, Right? There's always a war, even before COVID-19 came around and everything, there's always a war that's going on for your mind. It's in entertainment. It's in our movies, our TV shows. It's on YouTube. It's on social media. It's in our school systems. It's everywhere. 
There's always someone who's trying to get control over your mind and trying to get to manipulate you and control you so that they can have power and control. You see, power is control. You see, control is power. If you have control over the action, the minds and the actions of people, you have genuine power. Now, power of and in itself is not evil. In fact, power of and in itself is amoral. It's not immoral, right? It's neither one of those things. Really, power is, it's a lot like the whole argument on guns or even money. A lot of people say that money is evil. And if you possess money, it will corrupt you. A lot of people say that if you have a, that guns are evil and that if you have a gun, you're going to be tempted to do bad things with it. And they use this as justification to enact gun control laws or laws that make it harder for you to obtain money. And they claim they have good intentions. Of course, you know, they always have good intentions. You know, the, the path to hell is paved with, with good intentions. I'm sure you've heard of that. They always want to be judged by their intentions and not the outcomes. But the truth is, is that money, guns, and power are all amoral. Now, power is not a, a is not some, is not a material thing that you can literally hold in your hand. Although some people might say that gun have using a gun and, and money, they are power. They can they can be grant you power. And yeah, sure they can. But power is not a material thing that you can hold, right? But guns and money are. And guns and money are simply inanimate objects. They have no moral compass. They can't do things on their own. They have no brain. They cannot think. They can't choose. They have no thoughts. They're not living things. They're inanimate objects. So they're neither good nor bad. And really, what they do with those objects, what they do with the money, what they do with the gun, shows us who they really were. But they were bad to begin with. If they choose to do bad things, they were terrible from the start. They weren't terrible because they got the inanimate objects. No, they were terrible before they had it. If they decide to do good, it was because they were a good person before they had the object. You see, power is the exact same way. Power is amoral. It's neither good nor bad. It can be used by bad people, and it has been used by bad people many, many times all throughout history. But it has also been used by good people for good purposes throughout history as well. But you see, power of and in itself shows us the character of an individual. If you want to know who a person really is, you give them power. Now, th that was actually a quote. And I, I actually don't remember who said it. I want to say, I, I, you know, I, I, don't, I don't remember. I don't remember who actually said that, that if you want to determine a man's character, give him power or something of that nature. It may, may have been, I, for whatever reason, I'm thinking it was Abraham Lincoln, but I could be totally wrong with that. So don't quote me on that. I just, I, I just remember the quote and I remember it being really, really good. But when it comes to Lord Acton's, right, there, uh, Lord Acton had a quote that absolute power corrupts absolutely. And I disagree with that entirely. I don't, I don't agree with that statement one little bit. Power is amoral. You are not a terrible person if you desire power. Now, you can obsess over it and crave it and lust over it. But that desire, that innate desire, that obsession really kind of harks more back to your character as to whether or not you were a good person to begin with. 
So from in my personal opinion, if someone acquires power and it turns out that they were a terrible person, right? And they they kill lots of people or control take control people, take their freedoms away, whatever. A lot of people will say, well, but they never did anything bad before. They weren't this bad, evil person before. It must have been the power that did it to them. Well, you mean they weren't bad as far as you could tell before, but do you really know who that person was before they came into the limelight? Before they were in the public's eye? Did you really know them before? No. No, you didn't know them before. How do you know they weren't bad to begin with? How do you know they didn't have a megalomania slash kind of narcissistic, you know, mentality before that? You see, you never really know what's in a person's head, which is why we got to be very careful with who we give power to, ladies and gentlemen, particularly when we're talking about politics and whatnot. You know, let's assume that one day, you know, you guys know I'm a monarchist, so let's assume one day that a day comes when we got to appoint a king. Well, who do we appoint? You know, I don't believe in a constitutional monarchy. No, no, I believe in an absolute monarchy. Now, that might sound crazy to a lot of you because you all grew up in republics and democracies and things of that nature. And so did I. Now, that might that message may even be hard to hear if you grew up in a country that has a monarchical family. But you see, the vast majority of monarchs today are constitutional monarchs, and they largely have very little power. They might have influence over the public. They might have a good reputation. The people might love them, kind of like with the British monarchical family. But in the end, they have no real power anymore. Any decision that they make could easily just be overrun by the people, the other ruling elites. But ladies and gentlemen, if if there ever came a day where we had to appoint another king. We need to be very careful about that. We need to search high and low and we need to look for a person who is of good character. It doesn't matter their size or their strength. It matters about who they are. You know, to kind of motivate what I'm saying, you know, I actually just got finished watching uh, Captain America Civil War. You know, uh, me and my wife, we started watching uh, WandaVision which is on uh, Disney Plus now. And, you know, actually, I'll be honest, I really did not like what they did with Endgame. I liked Endgame for a lot of different reasons. Seeing Captain America wielding Mjolnir, you know, the hammer, that was freaking awesome and whatnot. Yeah, I'm a nerd, by the way. (laughs) So I'm going to nerd out here for a little bit, but it's my show. I can talk about whatever I want. So my wife and I were watching WandaVision. And for those of you guys who haven't checked it out, it's actually quite interesting. Uh, At first, I thought it was, I didn't really understand exactly what they were doing in the show. And I'm like, they were copying, they had a show like, basically they put Marvel characters in really old shows, like say, you know, the Dick Van Dyke show or, you know, Bewitched. And these are old classic sitcoms that, I, I mean, I love personally, I love watching the Dick Van Dyke show. I love watching Bewitched. I dream of Jeannie, that kind of stuff. It's funny stuff. I love Lucy, Andy Griffith. I kind I grew up on a lot of that, to be fair. My family always liked to watch that kind of stuff. So I, I grew up on a lot of that, those types of shows. And they were always very funny. They're very humorous and stuff like that. And so anyways, but I was like, so wait, you took Marvel characters and you put them in that environment, the the comedy. Yeah, it's kind of funny, but it sounds, it feels really forced, frankly. And I just didn't really quite get exactly what they were trying to do. Now I've seen episode three. And at this point I realized that, oh, they're making fun of those shows. They're kind of mocking those shows. Okay, fine. Yeah. They're mocking the, the, how everything is perfect. Or for the most part, these shows really about people, you know, living perfect lives or something, which they were, they really didn't, you know, but a lot of people viewed it as that. 
And it was just kind of funny because they were more mocking the show. And once that clicked in my mind, I was like, oh, okay, that's, that's cool. Although I will say when uh, I don't, well, I don't really want to give spoilers away because it is kind of a new series and many of you, I, I don't know. I don't want to give spoilers away, but you know, in the second episode, there were some funny scenes in there that I really, really, <laughs> I quite enjoyed. But with that stated, we just, we're, we're watching the show and I, I feel like, oh man, this is, this is actually pretty good. I don't feel like it's overly politicked. I don't feel like there's a ton of politics in it, which before went Endgame, I felt like personally, there was a lot of things that I really hated. Like Thor was my favorite character. They made him fat first and foremost. They made him give up his right to the throne to his girlfriend, the Valkyrie, who, by the way, was a black actress, which she was a good actress, you know, a very, very good actress, as near as I can tell, but there were no black Valkyries, okay? Yeah, I mean, there just weren't. Valkyries were mythical creatures, mythical beings, literally from Norse mythology, Vikings, and they were white. So, uh, first and foremost, you're pandering. Political pandering. I hate that. I absolutely hate that when people do that kind of stuff for just political reasons. Now, again, the actress, she, she seems like she's very talented, but I, I, I just did not like it. But I, I didn't I hate it when, when Hollywood does that. And they're doing it all the time, right? They're doing it all the time, and I absolutely hate it. But anyways, I digress. He basically, So he gives up his kingship. He's fat. He's a whiny, just slob, and he just, oh, and all of a sudden he talks to his mother, and, and she... Re- re-encourages him, and I was always hoping for some, like, magic lightning to hit him, and all of a sudden, he's got his abs back, he's got his courage back, and okay, it, you know, it's it's great, but I just, I feel like they destroyed him, I feel like they destroyed his character, you know, none of the way that he behaved in Endgame was anything similar to the way that he behaved in any of the three Thor movies, no, he didn't behave at all in the same way, like, the whole point of all three of the Thor movies was him getting to mature enough to be a good king, right? And then he goes off and throws it away and runs off with Guardians of the Galaxy? No. No, no, you, you just killed it. But, you know, and then there was some other stuff, too. Like, when Captain America, he gave his shield to Falcon. That made no sense at all. I don't know. We'll have to see what happens with the Falcon and Winter Soldier movie. But it made more sense to give it to Bucky Barnes. Bucky Barnes in the comic book series did actually take on the, the, the title of Captain America and, and whatnot. And a lot of people actually like Bucky Barnes as, as Captain America more so than Steve Rogers. And, and by the way, I never actually read any of the comic books. I've just all, ever since the movies came out, I started cliff noting stuff. I started doing a lot of research, and that's how I know a lot of stuff about about the Marvel Universe and whatnot, or at least I know a decent amount, right? Probably more more so than the average person who is uninterested in this stuff at all. But with that said, though, you know, giving Captain America giving his shield to, you know, the Falcon, again, I think that's a hark back to the comic books where they turned Captain America black by giving the shield to Falcon. And personally, I don't feel like these title, these characters are monikers that can just pass down from one character to the other. If you're going to kill off Captain America, kill off Captain America. You know, make another character popular and stand on their own merits. Don't just pass the title down to some other character because now you're like, you're kind of like treating it like James Bond or Doctor Who. And it's like, that's not what Captain America was. 
I don't know. I don't like that. I don't think these are monikers that you should be passing down. I, I disagree with that entirely. But with that stated, though, okay, I didn't like how the, how he he gave a shield to, to Falcon instead of Bucky Barnes. It also didn't make any sense because honestly, Captain America spent all three of his movies going after Bucky Barnes, and he had his, this great relationship with Bucky Barnes more so than Falcon. So it didn't make any sense with regards to the relationship there. But then on top of that, he goes back in time and he lives the rest of his life out with his his girlfriend back during World War II and all the while knowing that Bucky is out there being tortured and manipulated and whatnot he was so driven to save Bucky Barnes and yet all of a sudden now that he has the ability to go back knowing that there's another Captain America doing the same thing he all for whatever reason he freaking gives up on that just so that he can live with his girlfriend or you know marry his the the woman of his dreams I again very anti-characteristic of who Steve Rogers was. The guy can't turn away from doing the right thing. And he can't simply... Now, I know that towards Endgame, he's supposed to be a bit jaded, right? And a bit changed. But no, I mean, that that destroys Steve Rogers' character. Ah, oh, it makes me mad. So much of that stuff makes me mad. Despite, but despite all those criticisms, there were a lot of really great things about the movie that I did really, really like. I, I however, did not like the feminist scene of all the, the girls getting together and fighting all the evil villains of Thanos' army and whatnot. I, I didn't care for that at all, too. It's like, oh, great, more pandering, more political pandering. Anyways, I, I, that type of stuff frustrates me. It really does, and I don't like any of that stuff. If you guys have been listening for for any like, you know that I'm not a fan of that kind of stuff. I mean, I've said I've I've said stuff about that before, right? And I'm I'm just not. I don't like that kind of stuff. But anyways, with that stated, though, after seeing that movie, there was a lot of talk about how they were going to change every single male character into a female into female characters. Again, more pandering to feminism, how women are superior to men, and which is absurd because neither men nor women are superior to either one of them. It's really more based off you as an individual and your character, not based off your freaking gender that you can't even control. But, you, but again, they, they don't want to do that. They want to shift the blame. Shift the blame to something they have no control over and say, oh, it's a, men are evil or whatnot. But anyways, I am under the impression now that they are, they've backtracked from that because they've gotten so much backlash from the fan base and stuff, which is like, yeah, the most of, most of your fans are men. And the reason that, that men like to watch movies about men is because like heroes and stuff like that is because they can relate to them, you know, but if you're going to, but I mean, seriously, it's hard for a guy to relate to a girl in that sense. Men and women are different. We want to relate to people who are like us right? And if you go off and you start taking away and you start turning them all into girls, well, you're going to kind of alienate and ostracize the biggest, the bulk of your business. So you're, you're basically sitting, slitting your own throat effectively, which is kind of what they did with Star Wars. They, they destroyed Star Wars. As far as I'm concerned, all of the new Star Wars movies are not Star Wars movies. They don't exist in my book. Star Wars, I liked episode one, two, and three. I know those are newer ones, but those were still pretty good. I don't feel like there was a lot of politicking there. You might disagree with me. I, I didn't really feel that. And then Star Wars four, five, and six were absolutely amazing. But anything after six, no, no, nothing. They also destroyed the character of, of, of Luke Skywalker and all this kind of stuff. It just, ugh, again. And they also destroyed the marriage of Han and Leia Solo and whatnot. Again, destroyed, destroyed, destroyed. And you know what they told the they, they made a statement saying that effectively that uh, the fans are wrong 
And it's like, okay, well, we pay your wage. We'll see how long that lasts. So maybe they're learning their mistake there. I, I don't know. But you go woke, you go broke, right? That's a, a fun statement that's going on. But anyways, uh, I, man, I got off on a huge tangent there. But look, what I was trying to say is after Endgame and how much politicking went on there, I was kind of thinking that I wasn't going to be interested in anything Marvel did afterwards. I was going to be boycotting Marvel ever, you know, you know, after the whole Thanos war was over. But, you know, so far, WandaVision has been good. I don't see a lot of politicking, you know, that kind of stuff there. It's been actually very, very good. But after seeing WandaVision, it made me start wanting to watch all the other Marvel movies, and which I hadn't watched in a very, very long time. So I watched Captain America Civil War, and, you know, it made me think of Captain America's character. You see, when they were looking to imbue a man with superhuman traits, it had to be someone that they chose that was good, that had good quality character. They were going to give power to a man beyond that of an average human. And they looked at their character. Character was of the utmost important quality of the individual. Good character. And Steve Rogers, he was short. He was weak. He was a toothpick. But he had strong character. And that's how they chose to give power to a strong character. In the Bible, this is actually very similar to how they chose one of the kings of Israel, King David. You see, King Saul was appointed because he was charismatic, he was young, he was strong, he was tall, he was a big guy, muscular, so they appointed him because of that. He had humility at first, from what I understand, but then eventually, as he became king, turned out he wasn't actually the person they thought he was. As he got power, he displayed his arrogance. He displayed how he wasn't a very good king after all. You see, and a lot of people would say, well, you see, it was the power that Saul got that made him bad. No, no, no. See, Saul was always that way. Saul always had those thoughts. He was always that type of person. He was always arrogant to begin with. He just never had any power to show it. No one ever cared about him before. No one ever was looking at him before he was appointed king. But it wasn't the power that corrupted Saul. Saul was already corrupted from by sin nature to begin with. He was already bad to begin with. So they looked for someone of good character, not someone who says they were good and wants to be judged by their intentions and wants to be judged by what they say. No, no, no. Someone who actually shows that they're good character. And they did this by watching that individual's actions, how the individual lived their life. And while it's not a perfect way of determining whether a person is good or bad or how they would handle power, it's the only measuring stick that we as people have when we're determining who to give power to. And that's what they did with King David. You see, David wasn't the oldest in his family. In fact, when the prophet went to go look for David and to anoint him as the new king of Israel, his father didn't even bother to call him out to line him up. He called out his, his older sons, the, one that look, the ones that look strong, tall, king-worthy, worthy to be a king, right? That's what people thought. But David wasn't really... I mean, he was a strong man, but he wasn't anything... He wasn't a huge, you know, burly, muscular guy. He didn't really look like a king, but his character showed otherwise. Now, did King David, was he a perfect man? No, he was a terrible father. He had tons of wives, lots of kids. It's likely he wasn't a good father to all those children. In fact, one of his kids tried to overthrow him. So no, he wasn't the uh, perfect man. He also committed adultery with Bathsheba, despite having access to 
tons of wives, apparently. It wasn't enough. And so he he, had, he committed adultery, and he effectively killed the husband of Bathsheba by putting him on the front lines of the military and then telling the military generals to pull the, the soldiers back. So, yeah, yeah, not a perfect guy, right? But he was a good king from what I understand. Perfect? No, definitely not. But we're left to assume that Israel prospered under King David, right? And that he ultimately, while he in his personal life was not a perfect man, and probably not a perfect man with how he, you know, how he was a king, but for the most part, he seemed to be a fairly decent one. But you see, it was that character. He was a good character, just like in Captain America. And I know Captain America is a fictional character and it's not real, but it, it's the same kind of storyline. We're going to give power to somebody. Well, how do we determine that? We determine that by their character, by how they live their lives, by the actions that they take. That, ladies and gentlemen, is how we do it. See, power doesn't corrupt. If you are corrupt after you took power, you were corrupt before you took the power. Just like if you were corrupt when you were rich and wealthy and you're screwing people over to make billions of dollars, you were corrupt and you were a terrible person before you were rich and wealthy. These things are amoral. And you see, when we start blaming things on power, money, and guns, what we're doing is we're not taking responsibility for our action. We're not causing that individual to take responsibility for his actions. We're we're saying that it was, oh, it was the money, it was the guns, it it was the fact that he had power. It wasn't really him. It wasn't really his character. You see, it takes the focus off the character of the individual, and it takes the focus off self-responsibility. Blames it on inanimate objects. Amoral things. It's very interesting to think about, isn't it? You know, I I never used to think this way, by the way. I mean, I used to be like most people, that absolute power corrupts absolutely. But now my mind has changed over the years. My study of, of power and, and what I understand it to be today is very much changed. And now I don't look at it as, a, as an evil thing. I look at it as something that's amoral, neither good nor bad. It can be used for good re- things. It can be used for bad things. And the re- I guess why is this important? Well, we live in a nation today that blindly votes for political candidates who can hold some level of power. Now, granted, they're just the theater that the ruling elite uses to keep us distracted and arguing and divided. But they do have some level of power. But we tend to vote for these individuals and we don't really look at who they are as a person, their character. We don't. We just blindly vote. I mean, freaking A, we have elected a lot of people who are not of good character. I would say Trump was not a principled man. And his character was questionable at best. At the time when I voted for him, I, I kind of felt prey to the idea of that he's better than Hillary, so you should vote for Trump because Hillary will be the end of the country, which I believe today if Hillary had gotten elected, the country would still be here today and we would not be a socialist nation at all. I don't believe we would be. But, you know, in the end... Not much changes from one presidency to another in that sense. In, in terms of the changing in your life, most of us don't really see any material differences in our lives most of the time. 
when it comes to new presidents. And we're always taught that it's, oh, it's, you know, this is the, this is the most important election. This is the most important election. If this other person gets elected, the world, the country is going to die. In the vast majority of time, all through my life, I've never seen that to be the case. Ever. What I've seen is a slow burn, a slow, destructive spiral of the nation. And what I've seen is that Republicans who claim to be conservative really aren't. While they claim they're for small government, that's not what they actually do. You see, their words and their intentions are very different from what they actually do and how they vote and what they really support. They always want to grant more money and more spending to government. They always want to grant more powers to government. Very rarely do you get a a politician who doesn't want to do these things. I mean, can you really say now that Republicans, the quote-unquote fiscal conservatives, are fiscally conservative anymore? No, the deficit is blown out of the water this time, you know, with Donald Trump. I mean, freaking A, ladies and gentlemen. Donald Trump spent more money than any president in history. Any president. More money than Obama, more money than freaking Bush. And you know what? I bet you anything that Biden's going to come along and do the same thing because it doesn't really, it's not really about party. You see, the truth is, is the whole party system is just an illusion to keep you divided. Because if you're divided, you have no power, right? You see, the truth, ladies and gentlemen, is that there's really not much of a difference between Democrats and Republicans. They're all for this growing the size and scope of government. That's the truth. It's not really a difference between the two. Sure, they may have different rhetorics and they they claim they have different intentions, but frankly, we shouldn't be focusing on that. We should be focusing on what they actually do, the actions they take, the what they vote for, the things that they actually do. But it wouldn't really matter one way or the other. Again, the power structure is not the one that you can influence. The power structure in America today is education, media, entertainment. That's the theocracy. That's the religious sector of it. And then there's the corporations getting in bed with big government, and that's the ruling elite. So ladies and gentlemen, you know, but, but it is shocking that, you know, when we, w- there are people who actually believe that they are giving real power over to the presidents and, and politicians, and yet they don't really know the character of the individual they're voting for. It's kind of, it's sad, isn't it? it really is quite sad. And with that said, you know, I think that overall, I think that there's going to be a lot of trying stuff that's going to come in the future. Again, I think we're going to, the economics of all the, the, the economic consequences of all the, the, the issues that have been occurring and whatnot, the lockdowns and restrictions and all this kind of stuff is going, we're going to finally start to focus more on that. And the attention is going to start to be taken away from COVID. And you're going to start seeing this now that Biden's here, now that, you know, the vaccine's going to be rolled out more. Eventually, COVID will be a thing of the past, nothing to worry about. Let's get back to reality and and we'll go from there. On the one hand, that's going to be a positive thing. There're going to be many th- positive things that come out of that. Finally moving on, people can finally move on from the the fear of the virus. But then, now that we don't we're not really worried about the virus anymore, we're going to be focusing a lot on the economics, the job losses, the economic destruction that has occurred. And frankly, ladies and gentlemen, it's been a lot. 
So, but look, there's a lot of stuff that's coming down the line that might seem scary. And like I've said in the past, there's always positive things that come out of every negative situation. And it is in my held belief that we can choose what we want to pay attention to and what we don't. We can choose whether or not we want to see the positive things in the bad situations, the silver lining, if you will, or we can choose not to. Look, ladies and gentlemen, there's going to be tons of opportunities this year, okay? You know, if you choose to see the positive in life, you are going to see more opportunities than, you, than you're going to be able to engage in. So I just want to offer that out there. You know, it doesn't matter how bad things get. There's always going to be opportunities. There's always going to be positive things in those negative situations. So while I don't think Biden is going to be a good president... Not that it matters at all because nothing's changed in government. In the end, ladies and gentlemen, there's still going to be great opportunities. Great things are still going to happen. And we still live in one of the greatest times in human history. I know that 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 isn't a common message, but it's true. We really do. Never before have we been able to live a life of, of true freedom, taking control of the source of our income, using technologies to start a business that before was impossible. We really are living in, in some of the greatest moments in human history. It's just a matter of whether or not we want to view it that way. And there's a lot of things that you can do, okay? There's a lot of positive stuff out there. You want to take advantage of the opportunities. You need to sure up your own position. You need to control your finances, try to pay down your debt, build up your savings, right? And then you need to find ways of making money. You need to find ways of bringing in an income and starting to take control of that income. And look, we talked about this on the show many times. There's there's all different ways that you could do it. You could do it through through podcasting like I'm doing. You could do blogging. If you don't want to get on a mic, you could do it on if you if you're cool with being on a mic or, or on a video, you could do YouTube videos, right? Or or just videos in general. You can get on any other YouTube uh, video platform. It doesn't have to be YouTube. And you, there's tons of different stuff. You can engage in Forex trading, options trading, and, and any kind of trading for that matter. Or you can teach someone a skill. I mean, honestly, information businesses, ladies and gentlemen, have some of the highest return on investments out there. It's very, very low cost to, to do this type of stuff. A lot of this is very, very low cost. I mean, particularly when podcasting. I mean, I'm not paying a lot of money to do this. I mean, I think my pod means like maybe 30 bucks a month at that. And I got an, and the website that I have, newmillenniumwealth.com, that's like 30 bucks a month as well. So, you know, it's not that expensive. 60 bucks a month, that's what I pay in my business. Now, I pay a lot more for advertising. I, I, I am actually advertising the show, trying to build the following, stuff of that nature. You know, on top of you guys sharing, you know, if you got the money to pay for advertising, to advertise whatever it is you're offering, you really need to do that. It's very, very important. But with that said, though, it's very, very cheap to do this kind of stuff. And when you start making money doing it, oh man, it's amazing. Gives you a massive confidence boost. So I'd highly encourage you guys to get out there and to start that type of stuff. If you don't have a lot of money, you know, you don't have to start. If you want to blog, you go to medium.com. They are rather progressive. There's blogspot.com, I think is, is the name of the website. There's a lot of different companies that you could just blog on and then you can just create free social media accounts and publish your blogs out to anywhere. You get affiliate programs and just embed affiliate links. Just make sure to put like a, a disclaimer at the top or the bottom of the, of the, of the blog and whatnot just letting people know that you have affiliate links in there. 
uh, just so they know that you receive some kind of compensation for it. Yeah, just a legal disclaimer. It's a very, very good idea to do. But you can, you don't even have to sell any product of your own. You can literally do affiliate marketing blogging and you can make money that way. You just got to get audiences to your blog. You just got to get people there. And frankly, there's lots of ways to do that. I mean, you can, if you're interested in libertarianism, you can go find libertarian groups that you can join. You know, you could, there, there's tons of libertarian groups that you can join out on social media and you would post maybe your blog there and get some, some free traffic. There's all kinds of things that you can do. Please do not use the justification that I don't know what to do. So I'm never, I'm never going to start. If that's the case, you'll never start. You'll never experience the freedom, that liberty lifestyle that we talk about, the lifestyle that all libertarians should be living, putting their laissez-faire, their liberty-oriented principles into practice. That's what the liberty lifestyle is. You're never going to achieve it if you don't start taking control of the source of your income, if you don't start taking control of your destiny. Look, I'm going to be completely honest with you, okay? There is money out there with your name on it. Billions of dollars that if you made, no one would ever notice. There's not a limited amount that's out there. No, it's unlimited. The amount of wealth that's out there. And I'm not just talking about money like cash. The amount of wealth that's out there is unlimited. And there's demand out there for everything. Literally, if you guys are aware of uh, Friends, it was a popular sitcom right? My wife and I, we watch it period- all the time. It's, it's super funny, super hilarious. It's a great show of how not to live your life, okay? But it's, it's really, really funny. Well, there's a character named Phoebe. She plays music at a coffee shop, and she's terrible. She's awful. Really not good at, at uh, singing and guitar at all. However, I guarantee you, if she was to get out there on social media and she was to get eyes on her product of of her singing and and stuff, she would have a following. She would because there are differences in preferences, ladies and gentlemen. There's differences in the things that we like. Everyone has different preferences. Everyone has different things that we like. I mean, for example, okay, quick example. You guys know I, I like I like superhero movies and stuff like that. We were just talking about Marvel. You know, okay, Green Lantern. Green Lantern was played by Ryan Reynolds. Most people say Green Lantern was a bad movie. It sucked. It was crap. It wasn't good. Frankly, I watched it. Yeah, there were some, you know, it wasn't the best, but I didn't think it was that bad. I, I, I genuinely did not believe that it was that bad of a movie. <laughs> Again, to this day, I've heard people's criticisms of it. I still don't think it's that bad, right? Now, is it a movie I'm going to go off and buy and watch all the time? No, probably not. I, I don't know if I might buy it, but I, you, know, I, you know, probably not. But it's not a terrible, I didn't think it was a terrible, terrible movie. You see, everyone has preferences. Everyone has likes and dislikes. There's demand out there for everyone. Don't say that I don't know enough. Don't say that I'm not good enough. Don't say that my quality isn't enough. And use that as justification to not start. Get started. Whatever you have to offer is going to be valuable. You just got to get eyes on it. And you're not going to do that by sitting around and beating yourself down all the time. All right, you need to get off your butt, get out there and start finding ways to take control over the source of your income so that you can live the liberty lifestyle that we talk about all the time. 
That's what I'm trying to do. And I'm trying to share with you my journey. Right now, I'm focusing on the Liberty Informant and the podcast. I'm paying for ads on uh, different uh, smaller podcasts that are in similar niches that I'm in. You know, I'm doing social media work. I'm joining groups that are in the niche that I'm in, basically, and posting my podcast episodes. You know, as long as it's I'm allowed to do that, I'm doing that. And that's what I'm doing. And, I, and my show is constantly growing. Now, again, I'm not financially free. I don't have enough money to take over uh, to be the primary provider for my family. Not yet, but one day I will be. One day we will be. Look, ladies and gentlemen, we all need to strive to become wealthy and powerful. Look, I'm going to be honest with you, ladies and gentlemen. I'm going to lay to you straight. If you are a good person of good character, you should strive to become wealthy and powerful. We need more good people to be wealthy and powerful. That's just, that's just the truth. If all the good people of the world were to say that you know, power and wealth is disgusting, then the only people who would become powerful and wealthy are going to be the worst of society. And they will control us, manipulate us, enslave us. If you are of good character, you have, it is in my humble belief that you have an obligation to become wealthy and powerful. You have an obligation. You must. You absolutely must. Otherwise, we leave the fate of our world to chance if you don't. That's what I believe. Okay? If you are a good person, that's what I believe. You need to. The world needs your influence. The world needs you if you are a good person. That's what I truly believe. And we need to support each other in that, in, in that journey. We need to support each other in finding those liberty-oriented businesses so that we can help you know, use their services, help grow their businesses. We need to stop giving money to people that we disagree with and terrible people, frankly. We need to stop giving money to those businesses. We need to start giving money to businesses of liberty-oriented people. And we need to start living the liberty lifestyle. We need to start helping each other in that way. So ladies and gentlemen, that's what I'm going to do. You know, That's what we're going to be trying to push for in this show is to create a community of liberty-minded individuals who want to come together and help each other all become financially free and to ultimately just come together and help each other achieve the liberty lifestyle that we talk about. That's what we're going to be doing here on the show, which, uh, by the way, before, before we get going here, because the show is pretty much over at this point, but you know, uh, before we do, if you guys want to support the show, one of the best ways that you guys can do it is to join the Matthew Spazitti Elite Group, which is the community that we're going to be creating in order to help each other in their journey to financial freedom, whatever that looks like. And we're going to be getting a lot of people in there that are all going to be knowledgeable to where you can ask a lot of questions, different people from different backgrounds, and we'll all be able to help each other achieve that. We'll also be talking about other things like economics, you know, Austrian economics and political theory and philosophy and all kinds of stuff too. I mean, we can talk about whatever we want, but we're going to be creating a community of liberty-minded people who are all wanting to become financially free and who all want to live that liberty lifestyle. 
So ladies and gentlemen, if you want to support the show, head over to my support page. I will post the link in the description below. It'll read something like uh, gain access to the Matthew Spizzy Elite Group and the Liberty Informant as well. And which, by the way, you will also gain access to the Liberty Informant. They're, the Liberty Informant is where I come in. I read articles from the American Institute for Economic Research, the Foundation for Economic Education, the Mises Institute, and now the Intellectual Takeout and any other publication I may add to that list in the future. But basically, I come in, I record these articles for you guys and turn them into audio files so you guys can listen to it whenever you want because there's a lot of people out there that would love to read this stuff and to continue to consume this knowledge and information. They just don't have the time. So if I turn it into audio, you guys will have all the time in the world. You can do it on your commute to work or home or, you know, maybe on your lunch break or maybe right before going to bed or whenever you want. You can binge listen to as many episodes. They're not usually very long and whatnot, but so anyways, if you want to get access to that, make sure to head over to the support page. Again, I'll post the link in the description below. It's a great service that you guys get only if you're part of the Matthew Spazzitti Elite Group. So go check it out. See what you think. If you want to support the show, that's one of the best ways that you guys can do it. And you know, that's going to be it. So ladies and gentlemen, I thank you so much for showing up. I love you guys. I love the fact that you guys come here each and every week to spend your limited time with me. It means a lot to me. It really, really does. I mean, the fact that you guys would be willing to spend your time, you guys live busy lives, right? So the idea that you're willing to come here and spend that time, it means so much to me. So thank you so much for being here. You know, come back. If you want to maintain getting informed, you know, about what's going on in your world, you want to continue to learn about this this liberty lifestyle, then hey, keep showing up every single week. We're going to be keep doing this over and over and over again. I'm going to keep promoting the same message. I'm going to be keeping you guys informed of the things that I feel that you need to be informed that are the most important. And we're going to be learning a lot of things along the way. So I love you guys being here. Thank you so much. And hey, as always, know the risks, plan accordingly, and have a great day.